Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hey guys, welcome to V Radio today. Um, today I actually have a special guest in the form of my wife. Um, <laughs> uh, in addition to Thunder, um, we'll be have, I'll have them introduce themselves in just a moment. Um, I wanted to make a couple of announcements. Um, uh, the first of which is just that the uh, you know, once again, bradio.org, fully upgraded. I put some new videos up, including um, I recently got permission from the Venus Project to include a film that I think is the best film, actually, about the Venus Project. Uh, it's called Welcome to the Future. And if you go to bradio.org, that's b-radio.org, um, you'll be able to uh, get basically links to YouTubes that I made for Welcome to the Future. Uh, Welcome to the Future is an older film, uh, but in my opinion, it is probably the, the best film to show to people if you just want to explain to them the Venus Project without you know, any propaganda or conspiracy theory. It's just straight Venus Project, and it answers pretty much all of the concerns that I've ever heard anybody have about, you know, are we trying to control people or you know, things of that nature. It's, it's all covered in this video. Um, and so go to the, the Zeitgeist, you know, basically not sorry, the Zeitgeist, the uh, must-see TV section of my website, and uh, there you will find the um, three links. I think it's on the second page. You'd have to look. But, uh, you know, to it's called Welcome to the Future, Venus, the Venus Project, Welcome to the Future. There's four parts. Uh, the last part of it I'm leaving off because I want people to actually buy it. Um, it's a very good video for showing to people about the Venus Project. If you were looking for a video perhaps to show your parents, you know, or some people that are a bit more conservative who might be freaked out by some of the sensationalist aspects of other films about this, um, then this is definitely the film for you. It feels kind of like a educational documentary when you're watching it, and it acts. You know, um, Jacques was a bit younger in that film, so you know, he's you know he's very clear and direct about you know what the Venus Project is about. They've got a lot of a lot of other great dialogues from you know the various friends of the Venus Project from that time. Um, you know, obviously Roxanne Meadows. Uh, the special effects are rather primitive, but um, the dialogue is spot on. Um, I remember you, you watched that with me, Thunder. You, you liked that film, didn't you? Oh, I thought it was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, that being the case, uh, I guess I'm going to ask my panelists to introduce themselves. I'm going to start with Thunder. Go ahead. Hello, everybody. It's me again, again, again. Thunder from... Z Radio, and now that I've renamed my show 26 times, it's now called Z Radio, and I'm actually got a show planned. I know, huh? Coming up, and uh, very shortly, I've got some good ideas coming up. So I'll let you guys know when I figure it out. That's Z Radio, Z hyphen Radio. Yes, it is <laughs> Z Z hyphen Radio. Radio. <laughs> Where'd you get that idea? Um, I'll have to get I'll have to get Peter to do it. You're listening to Z Radio. <laughs> Not to be mistaken for V radio. Yeah. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, now I'm going to let my wife introduce herself. Go ahead, Lynn. Hi, everybody. I'm Lynn. I'm V's wife. I'm here to talk on the show today. I'm very excited. Good. Um, I usually have people who have first come on to the show uh, give like a description of how they discovered the Zeitgeist Movement and the Venus Project direction. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, about you know, you know, how you learned about it? Um, it's been a long process, I guess you could say, because you and I both, you know, started getting political at the same time, and 
you know, we've just come a long way. We were uh, delegates for the Libertarian Party. You know, in 2007, we went on a long trip to Colorado to go do that and had a very good experience. And we've just been searching around and hearing different things from different people. And I guess I could just say the V got me into it. And since then, I've just been very interested in learning about everything and also talking about it, which is why you have me on your show, because I like to talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that much is true. All right. Well, um, it's good to finally have you on. Today we're going to be talking about a kind of a dire topic, um, and I, as soon as I got the link to this, a friend of mine showed it to me, I realized that, you know, because I don't really watch the mainstream TV at all, is the reason I missed out on this major event, but uh, you can go to CNN and look it up, and basically uh, it's um, on the topic of a gentleman by the name of Joseph Andrew Stack, apparently flew his plane uh uh, into the side of an IRS building in Texas. Um, let me read a little bit of the CNN stuff here. It says, Stack 53 owns a Piper Cherokee PA-28, according to aviation records, and federal officials believe that it is the plane that crashed into the building. A message on the software company website registered to Stack appears to be a suicide note. We'll actually be reading the, uh, um, the, the note in its entirety over the course of the show and talking about it. Um, now, I, I also, before we go too much further, I, I want to give the same uh, disclaimer that I give in the description of the show, and that is to say that um, we do not in any way condone, suggest, uh, support, or imply thereof any use of force or uh, violence to make any kind of social changes. So uh, if we're talking about this today, we're definitely not talking about this in a means of advocating anything that this person did. Um, I do feel, however, that some of the content of his farewell letter, you know, to the world, I think is relevant because it talks about a lot of the same problems. But we're also going to talk about how, unfortunately, his action um, will actually lend we will actually take away credibility from these ideas, and we're already seeing that. Um, and we're already seeing that actually, you know, in the comments and the and the CNN um, stories about this, where people are like, you know, wow, this guy believes anybody who believes what this guy believes is crazy, and that just further points to why we have to be careful about how we represent the movement. Um, so that being said, I'm going to go ahead and begin reading the letter. Um, the show is scheduled for an hour. Um, if it takes you know, longer than that, you know, once again, if you happen to be a live listener and it cuts off in an hour, don't worry. The rest of the show will be available on archive later. Um, and uh, I will also provide the, the link to the PDF on my blog. I haven't done this yet, um, but I will put it in the chat right now for those of you who are listening. But this is the PDF of the letter that I'm getting ready to read, you have no idea how long it'll be before this letter is not available because it's essentially a terrorist letter. Um, and uh, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, once again, I'm going to say that these are his words, and I don't necessarily condone anything that's in them. I haven't read this letter in its entirety, uh, but from what I had read of it so far, I think that it it is kind of a point to that whole societal breakdown that we've been talking about. So, all right, here we go. If you're reading this, you're no doubt asking yourself, why did this have to happen? 
The simple truth is that it is complicated and has been coming for a long time. The writing process started many months ago, was intended to be a therapy in the face of the looming realization that there isn't enough therapy in the world that can fix what is really broken. Needless to say, this rant could fill volumes with example after example if I would let it. I find the process of writing it frustrating, tedious, and probably pointless, especially given my gross inability to gracefully articulate my thoughts in light of the storm raging in my head. Exactly what is therapeutic about that, I'm not sure, but desperate times called for desperate measures. We are all taught as children that, um, that without laws there would be no society, only anarchy. Sadly, starting at early ages, we in this country have been brainwashed to believe that in return for our dedication and service, our government stands for justice for all. We are further brainwashed to believe that there is freedom in this place, and that we should be ready to lay our lives down for the noble principles presented by its founding fathers. Remember, one of these was no taxation without representation. I have spent the total years of my adulthood unlearning that crap from only a few years of my childhood. These days, only, I'm, I'm sorry, these days anyone who really stands up for that principle is promptly labeled a crackpot, traitor, or worse, or and worse. While very few working people would say they haven't had their fair share of taxes, as can I, in my lifetime I can say with a great degree of certainty that there has never been a politician cast a politician cast a vote on any matter with the likes of me or my interests in mind, nor for that matter are they the least bit interested in me or anything I have to say. Why is it that a handful of thugs and plunderers can commit unthinkable atrocities and in the case of the GM executives for scores of years and when it's time for their, for, for their gravy train to crash under the weight of their gluttony and overwhelming stupidity, the force of the full federal government has no difficulty coming to their aid within days, if not hours. Yet at the same time, the joke we call the American medical system, including the drug and insurance companies, are murdering tens of thousands of people a year and stealing from the, cor uh, the corpses and victims they cripple. And this country's leaders don't see this as an important as bailing out a few of their vile, rich cronies. Yet the political representatives, he says in quotes, thieves, liars, and self-serving scumbags is far more accurate, have endless time to sit around for year after year and debate the state of the terrible health care problem. It's clear they see no crisis as long as the dead people don't get in the way of their corporate profits rolling in. Injustice? You've got to be kidding. How can any rational individual that white elephant conundrum in the middle of our tax system and indeed our entire legal system I'm sorry how can any rational individual explain that white elephant conundrum in the middle of our tax system indeed our entire legal system sorry about that it's in a weird font here we have a system that is by far too complicated for the brightest of the master scholars to understand yet it mercilessly holds accountable its victims, claiming that they are responsible for fully complying with laws that not even the experts understand. The law requires a signature on the bottom of a tax filing, yet no one can, truthfully, can say truthfully that they understand what they are signing. If that's not duress, then what is? If this is not the measure of a totalitarian regime, nothing is. How did I get here? My introduction to the real American nightmare starts back in the early 80s. 
Unfortunately, after more than 16 years of school, somewhere along the line, I picked up the absurd, pompous notion that I could read and understand plain English. Some friends introduced me to a group of people who were having tax code readings and discussions. In particular, zeroed in on a selection relating to the wonderful exemptions that make institutions like the vulgar, corrupt Catholic Church so incredibly wealthy, we carefully studied the law with the help of some of the best high-paid, experienced tax lawyers in the business, and then began to do exactly what the big boys were doing, except that we weren't stealing from our congregation or lying to the government about our massive profits in the name of God. We took a great deal of care to make it all visible, following all the rules exactly the way the law said it was to be done. The intent of this exercise and our efforts was to bring about a much-needed reevaluation of the laws that allow the monsters of organized religion to make such a mockery of people who earn an honest living. However, this is where I learned that there are, there are two interpretations for every law, one for the very rich and one for the rest of us. Oh, and the monsters are the very ones making and enforcing the laws. The Inquisition is still alive and well today in this country. What little lesson, I'm sorry, that little lesson in patriotism cost me $40,000 plus, 10 years of my life, and set my retirement plans back to zero. It made me realize for the first time that I live in a country with an ideology that is based on a total and complete lie. It also made me realize not only how naive I had been, but also the incredibly, incredible stupidity of the American public, that they buy hook, line, and sinker the crap about their freedom and they continue to do so with eyes closed in the face of overwhelming evidence that all that, um, and all that keeps happening in front of them. Before even having to make a shaky recovery from the sting of the first lesson on what justice really means in this country, around 1984 after paying my way through engineering school, and still another five years of paying my dues, I felt I finally had to take a chance of launching my dream of becoming an independent engineer. On the subjects of engineers and dreams of independence, I should digress somewhat to say that I'm sure that I inherited the fascination for creative problem solving from my father. I realized this at a very, I realized this at a very young age. The significance of independence, however, came much later during my early years of college. At the age of 18 or 19, when I was living on my own as a student in an apartment in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, my neighbor was an elderly retired woman, 80-plus, seemed ancient to me at that age, who was the widowed wife of a retired steel worker. Her husband had worked all of his life in the steel mills of central Pennsylvania with promises from big business and the union that for his 30 years of service, he would have a pension and medical care to look forward to in his retirement. Instead, he was one of the thousands who got nothing because the incompetent mill management and corrupt union, not to mention the government, raided their pension funds and stole their retirement. All she had was Social Security to live on. In retrospect, the situation was laughable because here I was living on peanut butter and bread or Ritz crackers when I could afford to splurge for months at a time. When I got to know this poor figure and heard her story, I felt worse for her plight than for my own. I, after all, I thought, had everything to, do, um, everything to in front of me. I was genuinely appalled at one point as we exchanged stories and commiserated with each other over our situations when she, in her grandmotherly fashion, tried to convince me that I would be healthier eating cat food, like her, rather than trying to get, my, get all my substance from peanut butter and bread. I couldn't quite go there, but the impression was made. I decided that I didn't trust big business to take care of me, and that I would take responsibility for my own future and myself. 
Returned to the early 80s, and here I was off, off to a terrifying start as a wet-behind-the-years contract software engineer, and two years later, thanks to the fine backroom midnight effort by the sleazy executives of Arthur Anderson, the very same folks who later brought us Enron and other calamities, and an equally sleazy New York senator, Patrick Moynihan, we saw the passage of 1986 Tax Reform Act with its section in 1706, for you who are unfamiliar, here is the core text of the IRS Section 1706 defining the treatment of workers, such as contract engineers, for tax purposes. Visit this link for a conference committee report. It's provided in the PDF I link. Um, regarding the intended in, uh, interpretation of Section 1706 and the relevant parts of Section 530 as amended, information on how these laws affect technical services, workers, and their clients, read our discussion here. Now, uh, Section 1706, Treatment of Certain Technical Personnel. A, in general, Section 530 of the Revenue Act of 1978 is amended by adding at the end thereof the following new subsection. B, exception. This section shall not apply in the case of an individual who, pursuant to an arrangement between the taxpayer and another person, provides services for such other person as an engineer, designer, drafter, computer programmer, systems analyst, or other similarly skilled worker engaged in a similar line of work. Effective date. The amendment made by this section shall apply to remuneration paid and services rendered after December 31, 1986. Note, another person is the client in the traditional job shop relationship. Taxpayer is the recruiter, broker, agency, or job shop. Individual, employee, or worker is you. Admittedly, you need to read the treatment to understand what it, what it is saying, but it's not very complicated. The bottom line is that they may, as well have been put, they may as well have put my name right in the text of the section. Moreover, they could have only have been more blunt if they, had, if they would have came out and directly declared me a criminal and a non-citizen slave. Twenty years later, I still can't believe my eyes. During 1987, I spent close to $5,000 of my pocket change and at least 1,000 hours of my time writing, printing, and mailing to any senator, congressman, governor, or slug that might listen. None did, and they universally treated me as if I was wasting their time. I spent countless hours on the L.A. freeways driving to meetings and any and all the disorganized professional groups who were attempting to mount a campaign against this atrocity this only to discover that our efforts were being easily derailed by a few moles from the brokers who were just beginning to enjoy the windfall from the new declaration of their freedom. Oh, and don't forget, for all the time I was spending on this, I was losing income that I couldn't bill clients. After months of struggling, it had clearly gotten to be a futile exercise. The best we could get for all of our trouble is the pronouncement from, the, from an IRS mouthpiece that we weren't going to enforce that provision, read harass engineers and scientists. This immediately proved to be a lie, and the mere existence of the regulation began to have its impact on my bottom line. This, of course, was the intended effect. Again, rewind my retirement plans back to zero and shift them into idle. If I had any sense, I clearly should have left abandoned, uh, left abandoned engineering and never looked back. Instead, I got busy working 100-hour work weeks. Then came in the L.A. Depression of the early 1990s. Our leaders decided that they didn't need the, all of those extra Air Force bases they had in Southern California, so they were closed, just like that. 
The result was economic devastation in the region that rivaled the widely publicized Texas SNL fiasco. However, because the government caused it, no one gave a <laughs> edited, but he said SHIT, about all of the young families who lost their homes or, or street after street of boarded up houses abandoned to the wealthy loan companies who received government funds to shore up their windfall. Again, I lost my retirement. Years later, after weathering a divorce and the constant struggling tr struggle trying to build up some momentum with my business, I find myself once again beginning to finally pick up some speed. Then came the dot-com bust and the 9-11 nightmare. Our leaders decided that all aircraft were grounded for what seemed like an eternity, and long after that, special facilities like San Francisco were on security alert for months. This made access to my customers prohibitively expensive. Ironically, after what they had done to... The done, the government came to the aid of the airlines with billions of tax dollars. As usual, they left me to rot and die while they bailed out their rich and competent cronies with my money. After these events, there went, on, uh, there went my business and not quite yet all of my retirement and savings. By this time, I'm thinking that it might be good for a change. Bye to California. I'll try Austin for a while. So I moved, only to find out that this place with a highly inflated sense of self-importance and where damn little real engineering work is done. I've never experienced such a hard time finding work. The rates are one-third of what I was earning before the crash because pay rates here are fixed by the three or four large companies in the area who are in collusion to drive down prices and wages. This would be what I call the cooperative monopoly on earlier shows. And this happens because the Justice Department is all on the take and doesn't give a... F-U-C-K, about serving anyone or anything but themselves and their rich buddies. To survive, I was forced to cannibalize my savings in retirement, the last of which was a small IRA. This came in a year with mammoth expenses and not a single dollar of income. I filed no return that year, thinking that because I didn't have any income, there was no need. The sleazy government decided that they disagreed but they didn't notify me in time for me to launch a legal objection. So when I attempted to get a protest filed with the court, I was told I was no longer entitled to due process because of the time file ran out. The time to file ran out. Bend over for another $10,000 helping of justice. So now we come to the present. After my experience with the CPA world following the business crash, I swore that I'd never enter another accountant's office again. But here I am with a new marriage and a boatload of undocumented income, not to mention an expensive new business asset, a piano, which I had no idea how to handle. After considerable thought, I decided that it would be irresponsible to get, um, not to get professional help, a very big mistake. When we received the forms back, I was very optimistic that they were in order. I had taken all of the year's information to edit it out, and he came back with results very similar to what I was expecting except that he had neglected to include the contents of Cheryl's unreported income, $12,700 worth of it. To make matters worse, Ross knew all along this was missing, and I didn't have a clue until he pointed it out in the middle of the audit. By that time, it had been, become brutally evident that he was representing himself and not me. This left me stuck in the middle of this disaster, trying to defend transactions that have no relationship to anything tax-related, at least the tax-related transactions were poorly documented. Things I never knew anything about, and things my wife had no clue would ever matter to anyone. The end result is, well, just look around. I remember reading about the stock market crash before the Great Depression 
and how there were wealthy bankers and businessmen jumping out of windows when they realized they screwed up and lost everything. Isn't it ironic how far we've come in 60 years in this country that we now know how to fix that with a little economic problem? They just steal from the middle class, who doesn't have any say in it, elections are a joke, to cover their asses, and it's business as usual. Now when the wealthy, F-U-C-K, up, the poor get to die for their mistakes. Isn't that clever? Tidy solution. As government agencies go, the FAA is often justifiably referred to as a tombstone agency, though they are hardly alone. The recent presidential puppet, George W. Bush, and his cronies in their eight years certainly reinforced for all of us that this criticism rings equally true for all of the government. Nothing changes unless there is a body count, unless it is, an, unless it is in the interest of the wealthy sows at the government trough. In a government full of hypocrites from top to bottom, life is as cheap as their lies and their self-serving laws. I know I'm hardly the first one to decide I have had all I can stand. It has always been a myth that people have stopped dying for their freedom in this country, and it isn't limited to the blacks and poor immigrants. I know there have been countless before me, and there are sure to be as many after. But I know, also know that by not adding my body to the count, I ensure nothing will change. I choose not to keep looking over my shoulder at Big Brother while he strips my carcass. I choose not to ignore what is going on all around me. I choose not to pretend that business as usual won't continue. I have just had enough. I can only hope that the numbers quickly get too big and to be whitewashed and ignored, that the American zombies wake up and revolt. It will take nothing less. I would only hope that by, the strike, by striking a nerve that stimulates the inevitable double standard, knee-jerk government reaction, the results in more stupid draconian restrictions, people will wake up and begin to see the pompous political thugs and their mindless minions for what they are. Sadly, though, I spent my entire life trying to believe it wasn't so. But violence not only is the answer, it is the only answer. Once again, position not endorsed by this radio show, just reading him. The cruel joke is that the really big chunks of SHIT at the top have known this all along and have been laughing at and using this awareness against fools like me all along. I saw it written once that the definition of insanity is repeating the same process over and over and expecting the outcome to suddenly be different. I am finally ready to stop this insanity. Well, Mr. Big Brother, IRS man, let's try something different. Take my pound of flesh and sleep well. The communist creed, for each according to his ability to each according to his need. The capitalist creed, from each according to his gullibility to each according to his greed. Joe Stack, 1956 to 2010, on, the, on February 18, 2010, day after my birthday. So, um, those were the last spoken, or not spoken, I guess written words of one Mr. Stack. So, I guess I'm going to open up a commentary. I'm going to start with you, Thunder. What did you think? Well, geez, it sounds to me like this guy did everything he was supposed to do to try to make it. And it seemed like he hit roadblocks everywhere. I mean, he... And yet he kept pushing forward and pushing forward. Okay, that didn't work. Now i got to do this. And just almost, unfortunately, there's no other way to look at it. He was manipulated by the system, that, and he, he didn't seem like he knew any other way mm -hmm. than to keep hopping through all these, uh, you know, um, these loops, all these uh, 
um, distractions, if you will, and and all this red tape and and like playing this circus animal for the government, and it's it's pathetic. Yeah, it definitely is, and you know it, it's. The, the thing about it that I think is important, though, for people to remember is that although, you know, I agree with a lot of what he said, it unfortunately now, you know, as we were saying earlier about the, the comments on CNN, you know, people are saying things like, you know, wow, anybody who believes what this quack believes is crazy. So now this guy went and told the absolute truth. Yeah. You know, and because he acted the way he did about it, though, now the absolute truth looks like insanity. So what yep. did you want to say, Lynn? I was going to exactly agree with what you're saying because he he is laying it out exactly as it is. He's got a window directly into directly through their lives to the truth, and they can twist it. And now, you know, it, it, I mean, his actions were desperation, obviously. He just felt there was no other way, and he wanted to make his big his big point, and he wanted people to wake up, and he thought that an act of violence was going to do that. And I understand where he's coming from, but you're exactly you're exactly right. It's they're going to twist this. This is going to be um, just insanity. But what other way are people going to actually see things? I mean, remember. There was something we were watching. I don't remember what it was, but there was the frog in the boiling water. If you put a frog directly into a pot of boiling water, it's going to freak out and jump out. But if you slowly start heating the water up, the frog doesn't notice. That's kind of what's happening. All this is just status quo going on all around us, and we don't notice because it's not directly affecting our lives the way it was affecting his. And he noticed because of the situation he was in, but no one else is. And everybody's just going to be like, okay, whatever, get me my Taco Bell, get me my Burger King, let me sit down and watch the evening news. I just want to relax after my hard day of work, and I don't care so long as this isn't happening to me. Right. Uh, just like uh, yeah, just like they said in network. What were you going to say, Thunder? I Nothing. I'm just listening. Right. You know, the part in, in uh, the movie Network where he's like, you know, people are just like, you know, just give me my, my toaster and, you know, my yep. steel-belted radials and, yeah. and leave me alone. And, it, my and it does. It does drive us to um, desperation where we have this feeling of, please, just let me be in peace. Just leave me alone. Live, let me live my life. You know, I, you know, I have to feed my kids. I have to feed myself. I have to make sure my bills are paid. We're, we're on this this hamster wheel, we cannot get off. And there's um, a great sacrifice to the individual or to the family that's going to happen to anybody that attempts to stand up and tell people. And Did you have more? I, I honestly think that a moment of silence for this guy and for everything that he went through is in order. Honestly, this stunned me. This is chilling. I, when you told me about this letter, I, I honestly didn't think it was going to be this well written. And so, I mean, this guy so eloquently put what he had gone through. Right. I think your, uh, your mic might have cut out. Can you still hear us, Thunder? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, check your mic, Lynn, and um, you can test it if you need to. But no, it is it is stunning. Um, you're definitely right about that. Uh, 
the the issue though, I mean, I guess is that unfortunately, is it stunning in a way that really gets what you know what he would want it accomplished? You know, because now, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, on the plus side, a lot more people read this blog than probably ever would have otherwise. Obviously, it got on CNN and all that, but unfortunately, you know, it's it's now it's going to be tied to terror. You know, we had some comments actually on the forums about this. People were asking me why I described it as terrorism. Well, I mean, the reality is the guy flew a plane in the side of a building. He killed a couple of people who I doubt had anything to do with all of the problems that have gone on in his life. Um, and it was, in effect, a way to terrorize people to get attention for his ideas. I mean, the Unabomber, you know, did the same thing. He was still a terrorist. Um, whether we have sympathy well, for his cause, that doesn't mean he's not a terrorist. Yeah, yeah that's... they're, they're going to spin it that way. That's just, you know, they're going to find every way they can to make it all about his fault. Well, I mean, he did a problems. he did a heinous act. If you don't mind me cutting in, he did a heinous act. He did something terrible, and that he no, I don't, I don't that. disagree with that. No, you're right. He did, but, and it didn't solve anything. And even if it did, he'll never he'll never know. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that doesn't mean we shouldn't pay attention to what he's saying. That doesn't mean we shouldn't take it to heart and try to do something about it. But but these kind of acts are definitely not to be condoned. No, right, right. Well, you know, um, I'm going to open up the uh, the call-in line for people. If anybody wants to call in and comment on this particular show, um, you can also uh, get onto the show via Skype for free. Um, my Skype is VTV, V as in Victor, T as in Tom, V as in Victor, 115. Um, and if you want to be added that way, don't call me on it. Just um, add me to your Skype and then PM me saying that you'd like to be added to the show. Otherwise, if you'd like to call into the show, the number is 347-945-7747. That's 347-945-7747. Uh, I will take your call if you want to comment on the subject. I'll also put the number in chat. Um, and I'll put my Skype in chat. You know, as far as, like, there are a few implications about this. First of all, all the things that this guy are complaining about, you know, uh, are things that we also complain about. You know, and unfortunately, you know, he ended his, his statement with communist stuff at the end. So now they're going to be like, oh, he was just some crazy commie. You know, that's an example of how this, this fails to get the message across because now we go back to, you know, appealing to all that, brainwashing and conditioning that our society has that anything that remotely talks about how maybe we should care about people is communist. Uh, you know, like, like we discussed in my recent show with Patty Shannon from the World Socialist Movement, there's so much negative uh, energy charged into the term communist and so, or socialist. You know, if you, if, you know, that, you know, we get labeled socialists in the Venus Project just because we care about other people. The notion that we want to share things is also apparently this big evil thing you know, and I, I find that really unusual because it's like, you know, nobody would raise their kids that way, at least I hope not. You know, no, it's okay, honey. You, you, you take that toy all for yourself and, you know, your brother doesn't need one, you know. I mean, no, does anybody do that? I mean, you know, Thunder, you've got kids. Did you raise your kids to think that way? I mean, obviously no, not. No, I didn't. I mean, you know, I did raise them with a certain sense of responsibility that, you know, that um, – you know, nothing comes for free, but I mean, that was just the way I learned it, that, uh, you know, things come to you um, by way of earning them, by way of working hard and, uh, you know, 
nothing should be handed to you on a silver platter. Otherwise, it's not, it's not appreciated. And that's the way I was indoctrinated. That's the way I was raised. Yep, that's that's definitely true, and I I see where you're coming from. Um, you know, I'm going to comment on something actually that was just brought up in the chat room. But you know, like somebody was saying, well, I think maybe he sounds like he was a little greedy. He says, you know, I, he spent five thousand of his own money. I've never had five thousand of my name. His downfall was his own greed. Well, it, it's it's not. I mean, the guy basically was trying to spend money as an entrepreneur to make money. You know, and he was trying to do it because, well, you know, that's what they always tell you. You know, if you can't get a job. You know, in the capitalist society, they tell you that you you should start your own business. Well, he did that, and the system crushed his business. Um, You know, and if nothing else, his downfall was that he trusted that, you know, in the system that, you know, did did all the things that you're supposed to do, just like you said earlier, Thunder, you know, and it didn't work. You know, I mean, geez, I wish I had $5,000 to help, you know, work on my own business or my own ventures, and and it's probably never going to happen in my lifetime. It doesn't change the fact, though, that, you know, it, it is still proof positive that, you know, despite what they tell you, you know, you can't necessarily be everything you, anything you want to be in, in this society. You know, in fact, the, the, I was in a debate with somebody earlier about this is apparently the, the fail rate for starting your own business is like, what, like 98% or something like that? Oh, it's very high. It's very yeah. high. Yeah. So, yeah, supposedly that's the, this is another one of the silver bullets in the capitalist system that's supposed to save us is we'll go start our own business. Because that's working out for you know, two percent of the population. <laughs> yeah, and what do you what do you see all the spam in your mail in your email or you open a website and all the little ads on the side that are flashing at you? What are they saying? Start your own business, mm-hmm. wonderful home business, earn three to four grand a month. Yeah. Uh, right from your computer, working in your pajamas, you know, and it's it's everywhere. You cannot go anywhere without seeing. Something about start your own home business and earn all this wonderful money or the infomercials on TV. And, they, of course, they show three or four of the most successful people probably out of thousands that have uh, invested. You know, just with a small investment, you, too, can make $50,000 a month and, you know, you know, all this other nonsense. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, yep. they prey on people, too. I mean, I... He's not here right now, but my roommate is involved in that Amway thing, and I feel so sorry for him because when you talk to those people, they're like a cult. But that Amway thing never works for anybody except for the people at the top. You know, and you hear these success stories about some people who do, but it's generally people who just happen to be lucky enough that their specific Amway online business worked out. In most cases, you know, most people are just forever attending these seminars that they sometimes have to pay to go to, you know, spending all this money on this thing that never goes anywhere for them. And, you know, that's, I guess, you know, as far as, you know, as far as, like, you know, back to kind of what we're originally talking about, though, this person's behavior is a classic example of what happens when the neuroses of the money system causes people to, um, you know, causes people to... Uh, react in this way, you know, that this person did something so rash. I mean, I guess, you know, he didn't, he said he got divorced at one time uh, and he said he got married again. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of wondering, you know, how this man's poor wife must feel at this point. You know, I wonder if they had separated or something. It doesn't talk about that in the letter. Um, But, you know, that was actually something I'm planning on doing a future show for. I was going to do that today, but I, I saw this news story and I felt we needed to comment on it and I wanted to read about it before, you know, it was old news, so to speak, but uh, was that divorces are frequently caused by uh, monetary problems. 
you know, that when you ask somebody what's stressing out their relationship, it, it's monetary problems, you know, and I imagine that, you know, he, if you listen to this poor guy describe his life, you know, well, it was monetary problems that drove him nuts, you know, and, and the reason why, you know, beyond anything else, I decided we needed to do a V radio show about this is that right now the mainstream media is probably doing everything they can to find a way to turn this guy into some evil demon, and don't get me wrong, he did something absolutely wrong. He killed people, too, who had nothing to do with anything that he was you know, upset about, and that was wrong. But what, the, what they're not going to look at is what created this man? Why, why did he feel this way? You know, what happened to him? You know, and I, I was waiting. You know, it's a good thing it's not the Bush administration or somehow this would be, you know, he'd be have some links to al-Qaeda. <laughs> it would be the next big thing. But, uh, you know, the reality is, though, is that this is a real person you know, and the way the things that he was describing, you know, it's that's all stuff that normal people are saying about their lives right now. You know, and I think you said something earlier, Thunder. It's like, well, you know, I guess we should look at it from the perspective of how long are are people going to be seeing things like this until they start to wake up, you know? Right. You know, what's it, what is it going to take? Is it going to take 10 of these occurrences, 100, 1,000? Uh, what is it going? What's the number have to be before people realize that something has got to change? Yeah. What's it going to take? It, it, you know, I mean, maybe this is going to be you know yesterday's news a month from now. You know, maybe they'll keep spinning it and and play it off or whatever they're going to do, which the, we know the mainstream media, of course, are going to spin it, you know, in, yeah. a, in as negative a way as possible without looking at the root cause of the problem. Exactly. But the point, like I said, the point being is how many more of these similar stories is it going to take before people wake up? Yep. And, you know, what's more, though, is what I'm really wondering is what are they going to say when these are more common occurrences? If there are 10 more of these, what is what is the new lie going to be to tell the, the, the people of America to scare them into not going along with these people and not waking up, you know? Right. Well, you know, and, and they're kind of just rooted in their lives. They don't want to change. Right. Well, no, you know, it's well, when you think about it, it's uh, that that will be the excuse for the fascist system that that Jock believes is going to take over. Yeah. It, it'll be a reason for, you know, for oh, we need new laws. Like I'm already because I mean, like, didn't we have I mean, like there was another guy who flew his plane into the side of a building and suicide. Like I want to say a couple of years ago. I don't remember what his problem was, but. You know, and I can imagine now, you know, like personal aviation laws, you know, like there'll be people yep. trying to pass laws about that, you know, there'll be all these security screening checks. You, but that's another thing that people need to realize is that, you know, and sometimes these expressions that are supposedly protests for the sake of freedom, they just give the government more excuses yep. to take exactly. away your rights. Any, well, I guarantee you, I'm a, I'm a student pilot, I guarantee you the FAA is going to stick their fingers all in this and try to figure out a way to fix the problem with some more. FAA regulation patchwork BS. I promise you. Yeah. Well, we have to understand. Yeah. What we have to understand is the wolves are actually running the sheep, the uh, you know, the hen house, so to speak. You know, if if somebody has this game that they've made up, that they've constructed, and they want to win this game, and everybody else that's playing is playing by their rules, who do you think is going to win? You know. Mm-hmm. When they have the power, they have the voice, they have the the machines that make our perspectives however they want it to be. I mean, they they pretty much set the tone for how, you know, what America is going to think and believe for the most part. I'm sure you're going to have people that are 
more aware and more intelligent, but you don't have every piece of the puzzle. You don't have all the information. So how are you going to see beyond your little scope? Oh, and they don't want us to have the information. They're going to keep us jumping through hoops and distracted and, and all these things going on. So that they don't, so that we don't realize how badly we're getting screwed by the upper one percent. Exactly, and yep. that's that, the whole game is constructed to make those people win. The people at the top, they want to stay in power, they want to keep the money, and all the money that you make that you have is just going to get filtered upwards to them. That's what the name of the game is. Yep, yep. and that's you know something I want to <laughs> comment on further about that is, you know that. Let's, now let's take for a moment because somebody in the, in the chat room says, well, everybody knows what the problem is. Let's talk more on the solution. I don't believe everybody does know what the problem is. That's kind of what this guy killed himself for, was he's hoping that people will realize what the problem is. But you know, I, once again, I, we don't condone that. Um, but um, in addition to that, though, it, it is the fact that it, it, it's going to take, you know, um, let's take, for example, because you know, they're going to pass more laws that's going to be their solution to this. You know, but if we approach this from a Venus Project perspective, let's think about that. Remember how, like, in an earlier episode, I analyzed that situation in The Watchmen that supposedly taught that super advanced being that, you know, about human nature was that guy who shot that poor woman who was pregnant with his child because he didn't want to deal with it in the Vietnam War. Um, you know, and, I, and they said, well, there's your proof. People are just evil. This is why, you know, and I pointed out all the various reasons why in a resource-based economy that situation wouldn't have existed in the first place. This is how you get rid of the need for laws. You treat the root causes. Everything that motivated this person was brought on by the monetary system. Everything involved. Right. That's you know, where it has its roots. Exactly. This person wouldn't, a person like this, because people are like, well, what do you want to do? You know, like I can just, I can hear it in my head because people ask us so many crazy straw man questions all the time. Well, what if somebody just wants to fly their plane in the side of a building in the Venus Project? Well, um, I always tell people, well, why would they be motivated to do that? That's the real question you should be asking yourself. Well, in a, in a resource-based economy, th- this person wouldn't exist like, like he did here. He wouldn't be scrapping around trying to figure out what to do with his retirement. This guy, okay, let me interject. Mm-hmm. Just from hearing his letter read, and I actually was reading along. I have a copy of the letter up on my computer right now. I was reading along. Somebody that's this intelligent, that is it's so, I mean, even though he was so upset, he so eloquently put what he was upset about and wrote it down and made it, intelligible you know very good points he had a lot of very good things to say that you know people need to be aware of somebody like that in a resource-based economy is going to be putting that energy to something good and making humanity even better because of it and, and just think if everyone that was like him rather than putting their energy towards negative things were putting their energy towards the good of humanity our world infinite possibilities exist in our world. I mean, you're living in a really great place. Let me add to that really quickly. Um, Consider this, okay, he wanted to be an engineer and he gave up on it because the system prevented him from being an engineer. Remember, they always tell you all this BS. Well, the capitalist system, you have the freedom to be whatever you want to be. He wanted to be an engineer. Now, in a Venus Project society, I once again reiterate, because this is the point I was trying trying to, to win home on, was that this person would not exist. People like this would not exist. All of the frustrations of his life were based around money. If yeah. he had wanted to be an engineer, he'd be an engineer. 
you know, he wouldn't have to be worrying about engineering things to, to make profit for himself, to take care of himself, because he'd be in a society where the society was, desi was designed to, to make that no longer an issue. You know, that, right. he'd, be, he'd be focusing on bettering himself, getting his better education. You know, he, right, and, and you're fast, I mean, granted, we are fast-forwarding quite a ways because, mm -hmm. you know, the Venus Project is not going to happen tomorrow. Obviously. But um, I'm at, I actually have um, the other chat room open over in TeamSpeak, and somebody brought up an interesting point. They must be listening to the show. I'm curious, V, on what, how you feel about this, so let me read it to you. He says, uh, sounds like he would have been ready for sovereignty and free man principles. Well, you know, I, I, I've looked at the Freeman thing a little bit, and it, it kind of goes in the same direction as, as a lot of the, the ta income tax protesters. Um, as far as, like, you know, would he have been ready for that? Maybe. Um, I, but I don't know that necessarily. I mean, this guy wanted solutions right now. He wanted to do something right now. And, yeah, and that's the, that's the other thing we didn't really talk on too much, and I know we don't have much time left for mm -hmm. the hour show, but... Um, what was and I maybe I missed it while you were reading. What was mm -hmm. his motivation for actually crashing into the IRS building? That's, um, that's kind of poetic, isn't he it? He kind of puts it at the end. You know, he's like, "Well, Mr. IRS or something like that is at the end of the letter." I'd have I'd have to look it up. I'm gonna grab the letter real quick here. You know, he, he basically was just saying, you know, he, this was kind of his big middle finger to the IRS. I guess was to was to fly into the side of the building so I could find the exact. Mr. Big Brother IRS man, let's try something different. Take my pound of flesh and sleep well. He's actually uh, quoting from a uh, Shakespeare play when he says right. my pound of flesh. There you go. Right. But, I mean, look at, I mean, it didn't accomplish anything except make the news for a few days. Mm. You know, how many times have we talked about or we've heard Peter say, you know, what if, you know, what if everybody just stopped paying their taxes? Just everybody, and I mean everybody. Yes. What a poetic idea, but seriously, in practicality, I guarantee you something would have to change. Because right. they can't put everybody in jail. No. Nope. Well, they wouldn't be, okay, the, the point is, if we all stopped paying taxes, they wouldn't have any money with which to put us in jail. Right. Because well, we're paying yeah. for them to put us in jail. We're paying for them to tell us what we can and cannot do and make whatever we do illegal so that they can punish us for the things we do that they say we can't do. It's hey, our well, money that's doing it. That's what he was saying. He's like, they crushed right. me with my money. Right, and not <laughs> only that, and that, you know, of course, there's, then there's that group that is so brainwashed into believing that you're a, not a good American if you don't pay your taxes. So Yeah. Right. So, well, I mean, uh, back to the point, though, that I was getting at, because he did, you know, uh, but it, it has to do with, once again, you know, why, because you know, we're going to be talking about world events in the future. I'm actually going to be talking a little bit with the guy from Liberty Unleashed, and we might be doing another radio show uh, wherein he and I sit and talk about world events. And we talk about how, you know, various libertarian and zeitgeist movement solutions, like basically side-by-side -side comparison on how we feel we could do better if we used either of our systems. And, um, you know, it, and that's why I would say, you know, we, we go back to the, the fact that, you know, as I said earlier, that this person wouldn't exist, this attitude wouldn't exist. You know, there wouldn't be. See, people, for example, you know, they, don't, they probably don't really, they're not going to read this guy's note. They're not going to get to know him. They're not going to study him. They're not going to find out what motivated him. He's just going to be some crazy guy and flew a plane in the side of a building. And that doesn't prevent or change or solve anything. It right. doesn't rehabilitate the society. It doesn't look at the root causes. 
you know, the, the fascist solution would be to create more laws, and that's not going to solve it either. Well, the reason the motiva- this guy was motivated is very clearly, like what is referred to in Zeitgeist Addendum as the neuroses caused by the stress of the situation is what right. created this behavior. You know, and exactly. so, I mean, it's, that's why I say to people, this is a textbook example. When they ask these crazy, you know, these crazy questions, well, what if somebody decided just for no reason to just randomly walk around shooting somebody, you know, people, as if, as if that ever happens? You know, you, you look at these people, there's always a cause. It's not always readily available. It could have been something from their childhood. You know, it could have been something, you know, miswired every now and then. Very rarely you find people just have chemical problems in their brain, you know. But for the most part, even those are created through, you know, the imprinting you get at a very young age. So basically, you know, consider for a moment um, what created this man, and then, then you have your solutions. What does the Venus Project do about this sort of aberrant behavior? We prevent it before it happens, long before it happens. In the society we propose, the things that created this man would not exist. And therefore, the question at that point is moot. What do we right. do about these people? They're, they don't exist. Right, because we don't have politicians and, and people that are not problem solvers, like Jock says. Mm-hmm. We don't have yeah. problem solvers in any, in any, sitting in any uh, seat of authority in this country or probably not any other country. They're not problem solvers. They're talkers. They're not... They well, have no clue. They're not scientists. They are, they are problem solvers for one problem of how to get themselves more money. That's, that's oh, yeah. their goal, their end result. But those aren't the real problems that need, that need to be addressed. No, obviously not. And when you remember the letter, um, I mean, the guy said you know, he was, that he wanted to be a creative problem solver. That was what his motivation was. You know, if, if, you know, that's one of the reasons he wanted to be an engineer. You know, and you think about it, it's like we talk about motivation. This man was motivated to be an engineer and an innovator and a creative problem solver. He was denied that by the system. Remember, another thing that Jock talks about is that, you know, he thinks that it's, a, you know, it's, it's uh, deplorable that we only have, you know, Teslas every now and then, you know, Einsteins. These people are the exception. And, right. we, you know, we feel that, you know, imagine how many Einsteins or Teslas or, you know, uh, great inventors we have lost because of the monetary system. Exactly. You know, because although intelligence certainly does, you know, is in many ways cultivated, you know, by the way you're raised, there's a certain degree of natural ability on it. I was watching another documentary series recently. It's, I think it was called by uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel or something like that. And it's about this guy studying how some cultures evolve better than others. And he said that even when he was out hanging out with, you know, these primitive people who are still hunter-gatherers, he still met some very smart, articulate you know, very uh, intelligent people, you know, how many of those people, how many, like, natural geniuses were lost because their families didn't have the money to send them to school to get credentials? You know, how many people who actually had the motivation to help, you know, were turned aside by these sorts of systems, these Um, situations? If you start talking about hunter-gatherer societies, you're going to get me on a side rant because that's my thing. (laughs) Well, I know. I, but what I'm getting at, though, is just when you think about it, though, you know, there are people all over the world right now who, are, if, if they were given the proper tools, if they were given the proper opportunities, if there wasn't a price tag and a profit motive assigned to everything, because there's another show I want to do at some point is about education. Um, yeah, because they, they're not nurturing the intelligence. They're not nurturing that natural um, curiosity to learn mm-hmm. uh, and, unless it uh, – 
you know, unless it puts a paycheck in their pocket. Right. And, and, and even just socially, we don't seem to award it. It's like, you know, being a smart kid in school, we talked about this in another show, that's a great way to get picked on, you know. Yep. The, the, the teachers don't really do anything to protect you, but, you know, lo and behold, the principal will give a bye to a good athlete, you know. <laughs> he gets to graduate, you know. Well, we can't suspend him. He won't be able to play in the football game. You know, you get that kind of stuff going on. But, right. you know, how many people have been given a bye, you know, or not suspended because they won the science fair, you know. When does that happen? You know, get beat up. Exactly. You know, and it's it's funny actually. There's a there's a movie I haven't seen it all the way through, but it was called October Sky, and it was about a group of people who lived in a really small like coal mining town, and one of them ended up working for NASA, and you know, they just all the kids there were so like, well, I guess we're destined to be coal miners because that's what our father was and that's what our grandfather was, and we don't really have any other options. And this one kid was like, well, screw that. You know, I want to be a rocket scientist and. You know, they, it's, a, it's a really uplifting movie. It was based on a true story um, you know, about this kid who just, you know, he's had enough. He doesn't, he, they ended up, because there wasn't any good education for what they wanted to do, he had to experiment, you know, and they have all this, you know, these funny, like, mishaps that happened when they were testing their, their rockets, you know, and all of that. So, and, like, the different failures. But that's an example of a rare exception. Um, so... You know, but anyway, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely glad that we had this show because, you know, and we ended up going on all these tangents, and that was another thing I wanted to talk about, you know, was, you know, previously, as I said, you go on a lot of tangents when you're talking about the Venus Project, and it's because all these things are so interlocked. You know, we're talking about this man's education. We're talking about his financial situation. You know, we're talking about, you know, the various aspects of his life, his divorce, you know, and, you know, are all these things relevant? Yes, they absolutely are. And that's one of the reasons why we don't get any real solutions is because people don't look at all of the real aspects, all of the root causes of these problems. You know, and I guarantee you, you know, that's, that's another thing is that, yeah, this guy had his 15 minutes of fame for flying a plane into the side of a building, you know, and that's the most of his contribution to the world. Imagine what kind of a contribution he could have made to the world if he lived in a resource-based economy where he could have cultivated his intelligence and become an engineer and a problem solver. Measure those two examples. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. So we're now down to about the last three minutes. Um, I uh, actually, you know, I, I wanted to tell her, I, I talked to Roxanne today and she has given me permission. Um, I have decided that I'm going to, in addition to just obviously I'm already asking for donations, but um, Something that a friend of mine who does another radio show uh, pointed out, he was like, you know, it is okay to ask for donations, but, you know, maybe you should consider instead, like, giving these people a product so that their um, donations actually get them something tangible. So I spoke to Roxanne today, and she gave me permission to use Venus Project artwork on V-Radio t-shirts that will be made available. And I'm, gonna, I'm trying to find a way that I can um, report every T-shirt sale and show where the money goes so that people can have their transparency. Um, but when those are available, I'll let you guys know. I'm probably just going to do T-shirts and hats, and all of the proceeds for them will go directly to V-Radio and upholding the radio show. I, um, I still have donations open. Um, and uh, you know, once again, the, the red one is more full than it was supposed to be. The blue one is for upgrading my computer. Uh, it actually looks like my computer is not only in need of upgrade now, it looks like it's going to die, <laughs> uh, as in I don't know how much longer it's going to live. So, 
Um, I'm going to be trying to fix that as soon as possible, but the funds don't really exist here. So any help you can lend to that would be great. Um, and I'm also considering trying to find out what I need to do to become an online distributor of um, do good documentaries, like just have a website where I can actually be a distributor for some of these great documentaries that I've shown on Zeitgeist TV. Because one of the things that occurred to me, and I said this recently on the forums, because people don't like that some people, you know, like you know, the Jacques and Roxanne do sell video. It's like, well, when you consider, we're also going to getting ready to go off live, so I didn't have a whole lot more to say. But anybody who's listening live, the rest of the show will be there later. Um, uh, to is that if you're going to be making money, because we're all going to be making money one way or the other, as long as you're just making a meager, you know, living, mind you, everybody has to do something to survive. I'd much rather be making money selling informational, educational videos at a modest price and then turning that money back into a system that allows me to sell more educational videos than, say, working a nine-to-five for some corporation somewhere and doing nothing for the solution. Hmm. So, Very good. That's true. So anyway, um, that being said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to V Radio. Um, the, uh, the show just capped off and I was pretty much done. Uh, did anybody have any closing statements? Go ahead, ladies first. Oh, no, go ahead. I'll add to what you say. <laughs> I well, I was actually just going to, I was going <laughs> to paraphrase something Peter said in his most recent interview and, and to put it very simply, we've got to change what we're doing and we've got to get the word out that things have got to change or the way he puts it, and pardon my French, we're fucking doomed. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, we, I, I see dire things in the future. I see things getting very bad, and it scares me. And I think people are becoming aware, but I think there's also the people want to feel safe. People want to just go on with their lives. We have our bread and circus. We want to just keep up with that. So I think we need to get to get people to look up from their, you know, TV and video games and partying, and actually care. And it, it, it and it not be an uncool thing to think about because it, you know, uh, people's people's opinions on this kind of stuff range from it just being crazy or stupid and uncool or just not the in thing. We've, we've just got to get people to be reasonable, honestly. That's reasonable, you know? Well, and I, so, I don't yeah. know how to do that. I don't either. Somehow we've got to pull them from their dumbed-down existence and get them to wake up. Yeah. Or, or you know, we're, we're on a road to destruction if we don't. We are it's, already... It's that simple. We already are on the road to destruction. Honestly, right. if, if humanity itself doesn't collapse in on itself, there is going to be a catastrophic weather-related event that we have no control over and cannot stop at this point. Um, if we look at the atmosphere on other planets, there's evidence of um, greenhouse gas runaway. Um, I believe it was either Jupiter and or Mars, that the the atmosphere is like sulfuric acid. It's like the bowels of hell kind of atmosphere on these planets because there was some sort of greenhouse gas runaway that is just a cycle that goes straight down the tube, straight down the toilet. Um, and 
the it's just way hotter than it should be with its position away from the sun and that is kind of where our planet is heading with the way we are um recomprising our atmosphere of crap basically and i'm not certain we can stop it at this point well yeah and then that's probably you know if and when that occurs it's a long ways off well beyond our lifetime but there's something that's happening right now that is probably and is affecting our lifetime now and that is polluting the water and the oh, yeah. soil Definitely. and you know the the mountains and mountains of waste because yep. we don't know how to recycle properly oh we, we um, don't care to it's because no. cyclical consumption is part of the it's part of the plan it's exactly. part of the plan to yeah. make as much money as possible because right. if we were actually having products that lasted long enough you know for our use and right. um we could recycle <laughs> there'd be no point and Right. Yeah, we you know, we need to do something about that. When when you said part of the plan, I immediately and I'm and I'm not saying this to be funny. It's it's actually something very dark that Heath Ledger's version of the Joker said in his re, in the recent Batman movie. You know, was that when all these people get blown up or whatever, nobody seems to care because it's all part of the plan. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's part right. of the plan. It, it's it's part of the system. It's 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 kind of reared into it. You know, is that people expect it. You know, and that's. And it's also like something that was brought up in, uh, um, what was it? It was uh, capitalism and other kids stuff. You know, like he talks about, well, since big numbers don't mean anything, you know, because, and he was right. He was saying, he was talking about like large quantities of children who have died. I mean, then he had to reframe it into, you know, if a jumbo jet flew into the side of a building with 500 kids on it, that would make the news. And he's like, okay, well, now that we have that straight, let's, let's say, well, what if we flew a jumbo jet into a building every, God, I think it was every 20 minutes. You'd have to go back and listen. But, uh, you know, yeah. every 20 minutes, well, that's, that would be the equivalent of what yeah, it is that is happening. That's the people dying in, in Africa, right, with the AIDS or whatever? Um, I, I just yeah, starving children. I starving children in Africa, yeah. No, and that's I, just horrible. Fly a jumbo jet with 500 kids on it, you know. Yeah. Um. You know, honestly, just to go back, what we're talking about it being part of the plan, it, it almost seems like humans, actual living, breathing, real humans that live in, and sustain themselves on this planet are not the ones running the show, but a race of horrible aliens that, um, you know, don't need food, water, oxygen to sustain themselves because they don't seem to care what they're doing. There's, there's something really wrong here, really, really wrong. Yep, I agree. Um, yeah, that's why Peter says, you know, in the in the future, people are going to look back at our culture that we live in now yes. and and gawk, yes. literally gawk in disgust, yes, and, yes, and in disbelief at how we why we did the things that we do today. Yep, Rome, you know, throwing people in the pits with animals and making them fight to the death, you know, keeping slaves from all the places they've conquered, pale in comparison to the things that we have done and continue to do in our society today. I agree. Yep, that's, we've talked about that, we've made those comparisons too, is that, you know, uh, the people are being placated, you know, with the bread and, you know, the bread and games and Yep, bread and circus. Bread and circus, you know, and uh, we we covered that in the sheeple episode too, you know. uh, But 
when it comes back to this is like, you know, here you have a guy, you know, who really had a very uh, strong grasp of what was going on and it drove him crazy. That's something I remember because like my, my grandfather was a war veteran and he came home with intense um, stress disorder. Um, and basically one of the things that I remember learning about that was that they said that really intelligent people have a hard time in, in war. And it's because they can't tune out what's going on. You know, the, the, the sheer reality of what it is that they're doing is so real to them. Yeah. I, I have a really hard time myself even just being at the grocery store. I'll have moments where I'm standing in the frozen food aisle thinking about all the factory farmed pigs to make all the pork on all the pizza, and I'll be sitting there almost crying feeling like the worst mother in the world about to feed one of these pizzas to my children. Um, you know, I, I think back on all the documentaries I've seen with everything that's happening, and I look at all the products and, and just everything, and I just think about all the grocery stores that have all these products all over the country and how we really, it's just fucked, if, if yeah. I can say that on the radio. Yeah, I tried to avoid the, <laughs> you just the, did. Yeah. <laughs> for everyone on here, you have no idea if like somebody might be listening to this with their kids. And this. Oh, yeah, sorry. Anyway, you know, um, so I apologize to anybody who, you know, is listening to this archive who is offended by that. But, um, you know, I want to thank you guys for coming on tonight. And, um, you know, I hope, you know, my wife was so nervous and I think she did really well. So um, I'm hoping that she'll join me more in the future so that I can share this with her. So She did great. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. I've had a great time. I hope that, you know, that we've added some good commentary to. Oh, we could go on for another hour about. about this stuff, you know. I mean, it, it, <laughs> yeah, well, I good. hope we've. I hope we've at least given people th- something to think about just for today. And I know I there's going to so. be more of the radio to come. So. I hope yep. so too. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, go ahead and say goodbye, guys. And goodbye, guys. <laughs> goodbye, guys. And uh, then I will uh, leave everybody with some words from Jacques Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jacques Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.